Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Leviticus chapter 4 of the Old Testament podcast. Welcome back. All righty, here we go. Verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance, i.e. in error or inadvertently, against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do it against any of them, semi or colon, so I'm going to just read you a couple things here. The Hebrew word shatat, used for this sacrifice comes from a root meaning to miss not to hit the mark or to stumble and fall. The word interpreted ignorance means to err. Thus the sins which were expiated by this offering were those committed by mistake, error, or oversight, that is, sins committed unintentionally. In other words, this offering covered those sins which came from weakness of the flesh as opposed to those committed deliberately while in a state of rebellion. This sacrifice illustrates the fact that sin, even when not deliberately committed, places one under the demands of justice. The prophet King Benjamin explained, For behold, and also, Christ's blood atoneth for the sins of those who have died not knowing the will of God concerning them, or who have ignorantly sinned. For this offering, the offerer was allowed to bring many different kinds of offerings. From your understanding of the law of Moses, why do you think the Lord allowed so many acceptable offerings to expiate sins of ignorance? And that was out of the Institute Manual. So think about that. Verse 3, If the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin, which he hath sinned, of a young bullock or male calf, without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering. And he shall bring the bullock unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, and shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head, and kill the bullock before the Lord. And the priest that is anointed shall take of the bullock's blood, and bring it to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood, and sprinkle of the blood seven times before the Lord, before the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of the congregation, and shall pour all the blood of the bullock at the bottom of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. The blood of all offerings was the direct symbol of expiation or atonement. The number seven was a symbol of perfection, the number coming from the Hebrew Hebrew root meaning whole or complete, and also probably from the idea of the creation being completed in seven days. Thus, seven became a symbol of the covenant. Through sin, Israel stood in danger of losing their covenant relationship with Jehovah. Indeed, they were sinners, and those sins were ever before the Lord. Though Israel might forget them, God could not. Nevertheless, just as unforgettable was the fact that Christ had atoned for for, their, for those sins which resulted not from rebellion but from weaknesses of the flesh. The blood of the sin offering, symbolic of the atonement of the Lord, when taken within the veil by the high priest, remained there where it was ever present before the eye of God. The horns on the altar of sacrifice and the altar of incense were a symbol of power, perhaps because many animals with horns have greater power. 
in Habakkuk, for example, there's examples of, uh, of, of the use of horns as symbols of power. Thus, the horns on the altars suggested symbolically that in these two altars there was power to save. Christ is called the horn of salvation. To put the blood of the sin offering on the, of the horns on the altar of incense signified that the atoning blood had power to make Israel's prayers to God more eff- effectual. That was out of the Institute Manual. Verse 8, And he shall take off from it the fat of the bullock from the, for the sin offering, the fat that covereth the innards, and all the fat that is upon the innards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the, by the flanks, and the call above the liver, which the kidneys, with the kidneys, it shall he take away. As it was taken off from the bullock of the sacrifice of peace offerings, and the priest shall burn them up upon the altar of the burnt offering, and the skin of the bullock and all his flesh, with his head and his legs and his innards and his dung, even the whole bullock shall he carry forth without the camp unto a clean place where the ashes are poured out, and burn him on the wood with fire, where the ashes are poured out shall he burn shall he be burnt. The offerings of the fat and innards upon the altar demonstrated that the offering itself was acceptable to God. Because this this sacrifice represented the effects of sin, however, the offering itself could not come upon the altar. It may be puzzling at first that Christ could be typified as a sin offering. Again, Jukes offers valuable insight into how the sin offering differed from the sweet savor offering the burnt offering, meat offering, and peace offering. Hitherto we have met no thought of sin in the offerings. The burnt offering, the meat offering, and the peace offering, much as they differed, were yet alike in this, that in each of them the offering was the presentation of something which was sweet to Jehovah, an oblation to satisfy his holy requirements, and in the acceptance of which he found grateful satisfaction. But here, in the sin and trespass offerings, we read of sin in connection with the offering. Here is confessed sin, judged sin, sin requiring sacrifice and bloodshedding, yet sin atoned for, blotted out, and pardoned. The sin offering shows that sin has been judged, and that therefore the sense of sin if we believe, need not shake our sense of safety. Sin is indeed here preeminently shown to be exceeding sinful, exceeding hateful, exceeding evil before God, yet it is also shown to have been perfectly met by sacrifice, perfectly born, perfectly judged, perfectly atoned for. The sweet savor offerings are, as we know, Christ in perfectness offering himself for us to God without sin, The others, on the contrary, as we shall see, represent him as offering himself as our representative for sin. The atoning sacrifice, which began in Gethsemane and ended on Golgotha the next day, could be thought of as an offering for sin, for that was its purpose. James E. Talmadge wrote, Christ's agony in the garden is unfathomable by by the finite mind, both as to intensity and cause. He struggled and groaned under a burden such as no other being who has lived on earth, might even conceive as possible. It was not physical pain nor mental anguish alone that caused him to suffer such torture as to produce an extrusion of blood from every pore, but a spiritual agony of soul such as only God was capable of experiencing. In some manner, actual and terribly real, though to man incomprehensible, the Savior took upon himself the burden of the sins of mankind from Adam to the end of the world. And we also know from uh, others that it was not just this earth that he did the sacrifice for, but for an infinite number of God's earths. In other words, to pay the demands of justice, Christ stood before the law as though he were guilty of all sins, even though he was guilty of none. 
He became a sin offering for all mankind. This sacrifice involved more than the suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane. The completion of the sacrifice took place on the cross outside the city walls. Thus, Paul saw in Christ's sacrifice a fulfillment of the typology of the sin offering being burned outside the camp. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Verse 13, And if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance, and the thing be hid from the eyes of the, of the assembly, and they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which should not be done and are guilty, when the sin which they have sinned against it is known, then the congregation shall offer a young bullock for the sin and bring him before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands upon the head of the bullock before the Lord, and the bullock shall be killed before the Lord. And the priest that is anointed shall bring of the bullock's blood to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall dip his finger in some of the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord, even before the veil." And he shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar which is before the Lord, that is in the tabernacle of the congregation, and shall pour out all the blood at the bottom of the altar of the burnt offering, and, and which is at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall take all his fat from him and burn it upon the altar. And he shall do with the bullock as he did with the bullock for a sin offering, so shall he do with this. And the, pri and the priest shall make an atonement for them, and it shall be forgiven them. And he shall carry forth the bullock without the camp, and burn him as he burned the first bullock. It is a sin offering for the congregation. When a ruler or president or prince hath sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord his God concerning things which should not be done, and is guilty, or if his sin wherein he hath sinned, Come to his knowledge, he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a male without blemish. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the goat, and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. And the priest shall take of the blood of the, sin, of the sin offering with his finger, and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and shall pour out his blood at the basin of the altar of burnt offering. The blood of the sin offering for the ruler and common people was not sprinkled upon the sides of the brazen altar, but rather dabbed upon its horns. The horns symbolize the might and power of Jehovah. Placing the expiating blood upon them suggested that forgiveness could come only through the power of God. That was out of the Institute Manual. Verse 26, And he shall burn all his fat upon the altar as the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin, and it shall be forgiven him. And if any one of the common people sin through ignorance, while he doeth somewhat against my command, any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and be guilty, or... If his sin, which he hath sinned, come to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a female, without blemish, for his sin, which he hath sinned. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering, and, say, and slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. And the priest shall take of the blood thereof with his finger, and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar. And he shall take away all the fat thereof, 
as the fat is taken away from off the sacrifice of peace offerings, and the priest shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor unto the Lord, and the priest shall make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. And if he bring a lamb for a sin offering, and he shall bring it a female without blemish, and he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering, and slay it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar. And he shall take away all the fat thereof, as the fat of the lamb is taken away from the sacrifice of the peace offerings, and the priest shall burn them upon, upon the altar according to the offerings made by fire unto the Lord. And the priest shall make an atonement for his sin that he hath committed, and it shall be forgiven him. And again, these are very symbolic, and you can see the symbolism of the Savior's sacrifice. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.